Reporting in progress. Sorry, folks, got a bit of a problem here. Be back in a second. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Ray, you should sing. Pillars. Pillars. Must be the day for technology. Like I said, my earbuds wouldn't connect either. <laughs> yep. We, we do love technology. Oh, we do. It doesn't always love us. So. <laughs> there you go. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... We at the Pillars of Franchising team would like to express our gratitude to Feedspot for listing us as number one in their 2023 list of top 50 franchising podcasts that you should listen to. Thank you from everyone here at Pillars of Franchising. Well, welcome to the show. I'm going to assume that we are live, though we don't have video yet. Fred is feverishly working on that. We'd like to welcome you all back to another episode of Pillars of Franchising. We have a great show for you today. Uh, We're going to first get started with Sarah. What's going on in the Wait, wait, time out, time out. My face is on the camera. You can see my face in the camera for a reason. (laughs) That should tell you something is going to be different here. If we I'm thought not. you just screwed it up. Yeah, wait, we up. don't want to see your face, Fred. No one can see yours, Ray. And if you're not nice, I won't let anybody see yours. So there, take that. So there was an incident last week that Kristen took the next step for Pillars of Franchising, and she gets an applause for it. Because what did she do last week? <laughs> Kristen... <laughs> Signed, she's thinking, she's thinking. Kristen was able to go out and sign our first four franchisors to be part of our the Pillars of Franchising Brokers Network. So everyone, give her a bit of a applause. She deserves it. Thank you. That was so. Yeah, tech is not my friend today. No, I think you should just trash all that stuff. Hey, Sarah, let's talk about cookies. Okay, so looking at franchises, what do I want to buy? I'm looking at cookies because they're good. So Dirty Dough, 
and crumble cookies. So those are the two big cookies. You can go and get gourmet cookies um, are suing each other. I think crumble started. They said, you look like us. You smell like us. I'm going to sue you. And then Dirty Dough was coming and saying, no, we're fine. We're different, but we are cookies. Um, leave us alone. It sounds like they're trying to sue them so that they can kind of stifle their business because when you're in lawsuits, you can't get loans, that kind of stuff. It kind of looks yeah. bad for people wanting to buy a franchise. Sure. Well, so, it certainly does make people a little uncomfortable, right? Right, yeah. But I think it's what's really important, and uh, I was listening to one of our other, um, another podcaster today who talked about lawsuits. Um, specifically with franchises, and, and in that case, why you might want to steer clear. But in a lawsuit like this, I mean, it's kind of like I asked you, so what shape of cookie do you usually make, right? Cookies typically come round. Mm -hmm. um, boxes usually come square, right? Mm -hmm. So just on the surface, if you look at what these lawsuits are up against right now, uh, you know, I find it really difficult to substantiate a big win or loss for anybody on a box, really a logo. I mean, I'm looking at all three because Crave Cookie is in there, too. So you have Crumble, mm -hmm. Crave, and Dirty Dough. And Crumble's mad because everybody's got a square box. They've got round cookies. When you look on the screen at the three different cookies, well, a cookie is a cookie. I'm sorry. You know, yes, you can certainly, you know, Dirty Dough's got some variations in theirs, and Crave does something a little different than Crumble. But at the end of the day, typically these lawsuits are about proprietary, in this case, I would say, is it a proprietary recipe that we're having an issue with? To go after a box and a design and a logo, to me, just doesn't really seem to be something that I would be concerned with as somebody who's looking to buy a franchise. Now, there are bigger issues that one might want to take a look at. For example, um, CNBC notes that there have been lawsuits claiming 14 and 15-year-old children were hired to work at uh, one of these that exceeded the number of hours allowed for children of that age. Um, you know, those things are typically, again, is that a reason to not buy a brand? No, that typically is within the operation of a franchisee that causes those kinds of issues. It's not anything that the franchisor has done. Again, that would get into, um, it, into uh, I forget what we're calling it here. My mind went blank, but um, you know, the franchisor does not control the hours and the age and the hiring and hiring and uh, HR practices of a franchisee's business. So. Well, that may be the case. Well, there may have been young people working too long. To me, that doesn't reflect upon a franchisor. I don't see anything in here. Um, joint employer, thank you. That was what I was looking for. Um, I don't look. I don't see anything in any of these lawsuits that necessarily makes any of these franchisors look like bad investments. Um, I might question someone like Trumbull to say, you know, are you really doing this for the right reason? Or are you doing what Dirty Dough has publicly suggested, that they're doing this to help or to hurt, you know, stymie the growth 
of these other companies by getting them wrapped up in lawsuits that then hinders their ability to get access to capital and therefore slow down their development. Right? So my question to Crumble would be, is, is that is that what we're doing? Like, do you really have enough to create a lawsuit and spend all this money? As a franchisee of Crumble, I would say, can't we use our money more effectively driving sales rather than chasing boxes and labels that really are never going to be far off from each other? So right. that's just my opinion. I'm not going to get into, you know, what I think should happen in these lawsuits. I just would say as a franchisee myself, I might go to my franchisor and say, do we really want this kind of press? Do we really want to do this kind of business when we could put our money to work in so many more productive ways? So your answer to which one to buy, I don't know that any of them are bad. Uh, most expensive on the table right now is Crumble. We're looking forward to having Dirty Dough come on the show and talk about them. And then obviously, um, if anybody with Crave is out there would like to come on and talk about their cookies, I'd love to have them as well. So, um, And then we'll let the people who are looking to buy them be the judges. Everybody votes with their dollar, right? So see who comes up the winner with the most franchises. Yep. I'll just go eat them all and I'll let you know which ones to buy. <laughs> let me know. Let me know. Okay. So thank you for bringing that to the table. And now let's get on with our show. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Well, we got uh, Tim Montgomery on the show. And uh, Tim, uh, I was wondering if you could help us by introducing yourself and uh, you know your company. You bet. Happy to. Thank you guys for the invitation to be on here today. This is awesome. I am Tim Montgomery, and I represent uh, Resi Brands. Uh, is the umbrella company, and that one painter is our main brand right now. Um, we The business is owned by my son, Stephen. Uh, he's had the business here in Austin for 11 years. Started franchising about 21 months ago. We have 50 uh, locations launched already, 72 locations, 15 more uh, locations are in onboarding, and the number is changing. It, well, I'll just say it's really hard to keep up with the numbers, uh, but it has been a very fun ride and very excited about the business that we're in. Wow, that's cool, because I've seen you at a couple of the, the franchise shows and things, so I didn't realize you were such an emerging brand. You're really young, 18 months. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're young, and... Uh, but uh, the business, the home business has been here for about 11 years. So basically, we're now just expanding you yeah. know, what has been going on and been established for a while. So did your son get into painting through you? That's you a good question. So <laughs> yes, I, uh, some years ago, I, I painted for a while. And one summer when my son was in high school, he spent the summer painting for me. And, okay. and with me, I would rather stay with me, actually. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of really where it started, and it grew from there as he went into, uh, went into college. Awesome. So when did you start doing development for that one painter? So he started the development. Well, you mean as, as in to franchise it? Yeah, like yeah. when did you start? When did he say, okay, Dad, I need you over here. We're going to blow this thing wide open and make lots of money. So he, okay, he 
I'll tell you that story because it's kind of interesting. He poached uh, his mother, my wife, about 10 months ago uh, mm-hmm. to be his first director of franchise development, poached her from title, and then he poached me from BMW about six months ago. So mom and dad are now working for the son. Nice. So a little bit of a reversal. We are the ones that have to mind the RPs and Q's now. <laughs> but the key is, though, it's in the family. Yeah, right. that's true. That's true. Yeah, now we can say he learned how to manage it, too, right? <laughs> well, that's wonderful. I mean, because really, if you think about, if you have the ability to do that, it really keeps the passion, the commitment, the loyalty. I mean, you can't get much more loyal than your family. Now, some movie stars and singers would say, oh, that's not quite true. <laughs> but in theory, right? Um, theory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so you guys are mainly at 50 locations now. Where are you mostly located? So we started in Texas. So probably about half of those are in Texas. But we've now opened up in Boise. Uh, we're launching one in California. We've opened up in Florida. Got quite a bit of new interest there. Uh, we've opened up in Georgia. And honestly, several other places I couldn't even tell you. We're, we're kind of starting to go all over time now, keeping track of who's where. Sure. Are you, do, do, well, first of all, let me just say that I, appreciate the name of the company because I'm one of those people that go like, you know, that one guy, that one thing, and so, oh, you know, that one painter, that guy we yeah. had, very go. tricky. And then I can just simply look up, who's that one, who's that one painter? So very yeah. tricky for people like me, especially. Sure. Um, and, go ahead, Ray. Yeah, I, I was just wondering, uh, tell us a little bit more about the franchise. What sets you apart? from other franchises. There's a lot of painting franchises out there. You have a lot of competition. I'll throw a couple out there. Um, First of all, it would be our culture. Um, We have a give back program called Painted Forward. And uh, basically the way it works is once a year, each uh, franchisee, uh, you get, what's cool is you get the community involved and they get involved nominating somebody for this. It can be a family in need or a charity or nonprofit. The owner of the franchise donates the labor, and Sherwin Williams donates the paint. And you get the community cool. involved, so it's really a cool deal. So the culture is one of them, and there's a few more as well. Well, I'll tell you, you know, Ray and I both um, have franchises that that is a big thing for us as well. And for me, when I was looking for a brand, I wanted that was the differentiator. Uh-huh. And so, you yeah, know, as you yeah, as you continue to grow, that has to always be such a critical thing because so many people after working for corporate America, they want to be their own boss, right? But they also want to be able to to give back to the communities they yeah. serve, to do something that, that feels good. And so I think it's great if you continue to talk about that. And we would love when you guys do one of those, send us your pictures because I'd love to put them up and let people see what you're doing. I mean, that is so critical, okay. not only for people who are looking to get into something that that is productive and successful, but then when you have that element to it, what a huge game changer it can be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. We can get you pictures for sure. Yeah. Now, you don't expect your franchisees to be painters, do you? No, no. You, uh, The franchisee is going to be the owner. And uh, we can come back to this uh, a little bit later, 
but I'll just, while we're talking about that, you can be an owner operator. Mm -hmm. uh, you can be uh, kind of a tier one semi-absent investor. You can grow into a tier two uh, semi-absent owner investor. We can talk more about those models, but no, you're going to hire professional uh, painters to do the painting for you and you just run the business. That's really good because I'm working with a couple of people who have money to invest, but they don't want to paint. They want Ooh. to be able to be semi-absentee. And so that's really good to know because a lot of people today coming out of corporate America, they're making really decent six-figure incomes. Yep. And they're not going to put on some pants, some no. painter pants and no, go out, they're right? Not. They're not. <laughs> so, so, so tell us a little bit about the, the different models that you have. Owner-operator, yes. tier one and tier two semi-absentee owners. What does that look like? Okay, so owner-operator, uh, in that situation, uh, you as the owner will be kind of doing the whole thing as far as running it. You're going to uh, go out and do the estimates, bid the jobs, you're going to turn them over to your painters, and you're going to project manage them and invoice and do quality control at the end. So you kind of do that whole thing. Okay. Uh, but the semi-absent, let's do it, talk about tier one which is uh, we've got several people have started with that and that one I they both of these all three models are fabulous but uh, the second option is as uh, tier one so instead of you project you know going out and giving the bids and project managing you're going to hire one person all you need is one employee uh, it can be a guy it can be a lady uh, and that person will do all those things estimate project manage invoice and they're paid on commission and that one person uh is capable of doing one million dollars a year which is kind of what we figure is the annual we build our territories to sustain a million dollars or even above per year per territory and one person can handle that so you can have one of those and, and that model requires about 15 hours a week of the owner's involvement Wow. What's, really nice. cool, what's really cool is, you know, we say that uh, when you franchise, you get to be in business for yourself, but not by yourself. Yeah. We really believe in that. We partner uh, with our franchisees on, on, on insane levels, but this when relating to the investor model. So let's say that I buy it as the investor. I'm spending 15 hours a week managing my guy, whether that's a man or a lady. Um, uh, our coaches partner with that person, your person that's on commission, that's bidding and project managing. They are going to coach him on hitting the revenues and work with them on that. They are going to coach him on hitting the gross numbers. They're mm -hmm. going to coach that person on hitting their net targets. So now your coach is being, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but your coach is being the owner or the coach is being from the franchisor, the business? From the franchisor. This is why it's so insanely amazing. Nice. I buy the franchisee. They will even help me. I'm going to go out. They'll tell me how to advertise for this person. Mm -hmm. You get three or four people, you're interviewing them. You're going to then get us involved. And the franchisor is going to help you vet and choose the best person. So you get help on that. Now this person gets rolling. You're going to send him to training because because you're not the one going to be doing it. So we right. train, mm -hmm. and then we coach him. 
You get yep. to manage them, but we literally coach them to hit the revenues, hit the, the gross, hit the net. It's a ridiculous partnership that is just amazing. That's and awesome. Tier two, um, and I'll, okay, this is four years away, but I'll, I'm just talking hypotheticals here. Sure. Uh, I'm supposed to retire in four years. I don't see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a way to. If you're so, having fun, you don't need that's to. That's true. <laughs> right. So I would, I'm like, I should copy Austin. I should get me in Austin. Yeah. <laughs> three territories, one location. So you have three of these people, full-time commission that are estimating and, you know, project managing. And the last year, FDD reported was a little over $4 million in revenue. Nice. And uh, I probably can't on air share what the net was. I'll just say it puts you squarely a little bit above the average of one, the top 1% uh-huh. uh, earners. And I'm like, man, I could do that in retirement. Oh, and here's the beautiful thing. Um, under that model, you have a manager, a high-quality manager over, those, over that location, the whole uh-huh. thing. Yeah. My son... Uh, it's way less than four hours a week involvement on his side because he has a really good manager. So from that top, that second tier level, yeah. Uh, if you have the skill set to manage the manager, uh-huh. voila, yeah. you can be extremely absent and you just have to have a small amount of involvement, reviewing reports, you know, some calls each week with them, make sure everybody's on track, keep the manager in line. And you've got a, a very successful business. Uh, that's the potential. And I'm like, man, I'd make more money in retirement than I ever made in my life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it sounds like you have um, quite a good support system for your franchisees. So let's talk about the initial training for them when they come in. They say, okay, now I've, I've gone through everything. What do you train an owner on then? So the owner typically, uh, let's see, you mean if you're talking the investor model, mm-hmm. the owner would come to training along with his person. Okay. And down the road, if you need to get a new person, you can train them yourself. Most people just send them to headquarters and we train them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. And is that a couple of days or? So you do, to do the full deal, it's 50 hours of online training. Okay. And then you come to headquarters for three more days of in-person training. And then you'll have the whole thing on an app on your phone called Trainio. Okay. Here's the big question. Anytime you deal with painters, are you dealing with your own employees or subcontractors? Subcontractors. Now, California makes that harder. And I think there's about two other states that make it harder, but most states allow it. And it really, really works well. (laughs) Sure. So that has to be a huge savings in terms of um, workers' comp, right? Because yep. they have to carry it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And they carry insurance. They have to be bonded, licensed, all that stuff. Carry the insurance. Um, uh, there's two. Basically, there's two types of painters out there. Um, you've got the big names, Serta Pro, Five Star, ourselves, and then you've got mom and pops that are good at what they do. Uh-huh. Uh, but they don't have the name behind them. They don't have the marketing. They don't have the appointment center. And so their weakness is getting enough work to really do well. We team up with them. 
We have a whole program for our franchisees, where to find them, how to talk to them, how to get them on board, represent you on the job site, be, according to our model, one of your best house guests ever, represent you while they're on, you know, wear your uniform, sign in the yard, magnet on their vehicle, um, and the quality that we want, and pay scale, the whole thing, and we take really good care of them. We've had painters here in Austin that work for us five, six, seven years. They don't want to work anywhere else. We keep the good ones so busy yeah. that now they're making, they're earning on a level that they never were going to anywhere close to when they're on their own without, mm-hmm. you know, the marketing and appointment center working for them. Um, so we've had two of them. I love to share this because I think it also reflects our culture. Two of our painters here in Austin saved up their money and bought one of our franchises each. Nice. And we'll see more of that happen. And you don't have to be worried as the uh, franchisee owner because there's more painters. We get calls literally every week uh, here at Austin. Uh, you, got, you got work, you got work. You know what? Tell me what state to go to. I'll go work anywhere you guys got work. There are people out there that want it really bad. And yeah. that just the model works great. That's fantastic. Well, one of the questions uh, I want to ask you is, uh, you mentioned that you're expecting about a million dollars per territory. How big is a territory? So a territory, they, I mean, when you look at the map, they all look different. Uh, but typically, you're going to be in the 200,000 range on population. And, uh, and, and what they're really looking at is to have a good, solid number of what we call ideal homes. Now, for example, you may have a territory that has 70,000 homes. But we don't, that's the, the number we're looking at. We want the ones that are owner-occupied with medium income or higher, and that can range, it's give or take 30,000 range. And sometimes they'll be smaller if the area is, is, doesn't even allow that big. But if the, if the money is there, sometimes a little bit smaller will still work. Sure, sure, but sure. we don't sell anything. My son likes to say we don't sell empty territories. We don't sell anything that we don't believe can do a million dollars a year. That's so awesome. what, what, what do you think it would take for uh, someone to buy a territory in your franchise? So if you start as an owner-operator, it's about $72,000 roughly, and that includes your franchise fee and all the initial uh, things that you need, um, and maybe 73 if you figure your first uh, monthly payment, not a payment per se, but uh, lease payment. Uh, on a truck. You can buy a truck, you know, for your wrapped truck, but Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that this was a thing, but a lot of our people going with a commercial lease. Uh The commercial lease is unlimited miles. And in this job, that truck is getting driven bazillions of miles doing estimates. Mm -hmm. And you can turn it in in any condition. It's kind of, I think, a (laughs) no-brainer for a lot of people just go with a commercial lease. Yeah, we got to think about that for our Molly cars, right? Yeah, I, well, I've been using that. I mean, that's what Enterprise has. It's pretty right. much, there's no mileage on it. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I guess yeah, that's right. right. We just never uh, call it that. The flat fee per month, and then uh, I yeah. use the phone and say, sell it. Yeah. <laughs> they sell yeah. it for me. Bring me a new one. <laughs> yeah. And so, so if you look at that, so you're ranging from $73,000 for the owner-operator. What about if you go up to somebody who's going to buy three territories and be a tier two passive? So, yes. Um, now, that's not a number I have right in front of me at the top of my head. But 
Well, let me just tell you this. If you're starting out as an owner investor for one territory, it bumps up to about $110,000 roughly in seven hundred seventy three. And then so it's, but it's not going to be times three to start with three because some of the expenses roll over. Sure. Uh, but uh, that gives you kind of a ballpark. And you need a little bit more when you start out as the owner investor because your guy that's on commission, you're obviously going to probably roll him about three months on a salary yeah. for what the business build up. And then that's going to flip over to commission. So you need about three months. That's why it goes from, you know, 70 ish to 110 ish. Awesome. And as far as what, uh, kind of, uh, <clears throat> what's the word I'm looking for, Kristen, uh, money, does, uh, do you expect a prospective buyer to have in this bank account? Oh, yeah, net worth. Net worth, yeah. Okay, you know, I don't think that they have focused so much. They they just need about either about 72. Okay, but I can tell you that, you, you know, your expenses, this to kind of answer the question, sure. the monthly expenses are probably going to be between your truck payment and advertising, you're putting that out here regardless, probably four or $5,000 a month. So mm -hmm. kind of factor that in. You do need some money in the bank account for those first few months to keep going while. Sure. Right, um, yeah. Um, and yeah, sorry. No, 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 that's fine. Ray and I always tell people, whatever the franchisor tells you, about mm -hmm. two and a half, three times that, because you just don't know, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. That's smart. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> You just don't know, especially today you have interest rates going crazy and, and yep. some people are going to be worried about how to pay their mortgage, not send money to get it painted or cleaned in our case, right? So you have to be prepared for whatever comes your way. Yep, absolutely. Do, do you offer any financial help? So we don't offer financing, no. We you know, always tell people, we, we give a couple different ones that we recommend, small business sure. loans, that's more like a signature loan, uh, yep. credit score only sort of loan. But then we always tell them, feel free to use any other sources out there. Yeah. Uh, and as you guys know, uh, some people do that rollover from uh, 401k, uh -huh. loan, uh, take out a home equity loan, that sort of thing. I'll tell you a little story you'll probably enjoy. Uh, two of my coworkers at BMW, uh, beat me out the door to work for, uh, not to work for, but to go on board my son's company before I did, which was kind of funny. And they both bought franchises in San Antonio. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I like his story. Um, he was very creative in funding his start. He sold one of his BMWs. He had a collection of them. And he liquidated some investments. And then he was really brilliant. He also took out a signature loan for three months of his income. And what he will tell you is that by the end of month two, he had replaced his income. And uh, awesome. he, somebody was doing pretty good, earning pretty well. And that's, what, that's his story. Um, the other guy, uh, also a, a former colleague from there, what I like about his story, this is his favorite thing, is the flexibility. Because he can, he can meet his daughter at school at 2 o'clock any day he needs to to pick her up. And yeah. he does have some liberties there of how he organizes his day. And uh, he really loves that. That's awesome. Do you do any um, veterans, anything for the veterans? We, okay, so we offer a veterans discount. Awesome. And then this is kind of interesting. And uh, uh, also an under 30 discount. Yay. Uh, clergy discount. Wow. And realtor discount. 
And that wow. probably really raises the question on two of those. Why the under 30 and why the realtor? Clergy, we get it. Veterans, we get it. Why under 30 and why realtors? Because he started very young. So mm-hmm. he has a great appreciation for yeah. the other young people that want to start out. And then the realtors was when he actually started going into business for himself, uh, his mom, my wife, was in real estate at that point. And her and her other real estate friends gave him a good start of referral. Oh, so realtors awesome. have a very soft, he has a very soft spot in his heart for realtors as well. And they get a discount also. Well, I'll tell you, you know, right now, this under 30 group are people who want to get out there and they want to dominate and begin building these empires. And so that's very exciting. Again, one of those points for you to really help promote your brand. I mean, I don't have not heard of, I mean, aside from Home Run Franchise Group, which works really hard with the, the younger generation, you're the only one I've ever heard say we've got an under 30. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's big. So yeah. hopefully you guys shout that out. I mean, I know well, I'll be talking to a lot of people about that because that's really cool. Yes. Yeah, it's cool. It's definitely unique. It's not something that's that's like out there very much, I don't think. I mean, I wish I qualified for it, but I don't. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> Rewind quite a few. <laughs> I, I, I started young. I was only 56. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got the veteran thing working, right? Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> so tell us now, Resibrands, we mentioned, is an umbrella company. So what else is brewing at Resibrands? Okay. So we have, it just came out, and it's so new, it's not out, even though it's out, you know, if you get my drift here. It's, it's just like not, but we still got to get it registered with brokerages. Yep. Uh, training is going to happen, but it just came available for sale. Garage up is going to be everything garage. Uh, so it's a little bit unique in that sense because it will be epoxy floors, shelving storage, garage door repairs, and garage door installments. So kind of the whole thing for garages, anything garage. Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. When do you propose? Obviously, you've got your FDD ready to go. just got the FDD, yep. Awesome. Well, you can send me a copy of that, and I'll be happy to start getting some people interested in that. I will. um, When do you think you're going to be ready to start selling them? I I mean, technically, we can sell them right now. But we haven't got – they're working right now and getting registered with the brokerages. Uh, If if a – uh, consultant was to sell it now, we would just have to work out the financials, you know, afterwards with the with you and the brokerage. But sure. it's available. It's available. Well, that's awesome. But I, I'm a little, announcing that a little bit early because we don't have it registered with you guys yet. Well, you're registered with us right now. How about that? There you go. We don't go through all that and circumstance. We just say, hey, if you want us to sell it, we'll sell it. So uh-huh. consider yourself registered with Pillars of Franchising. Let's let's talk about these combo deals because again we have a lot of people who are looking to um, be these uh, absentee owners. Do you have something that you might be considering where somebody could buy a garage um, up and uh, that one painter? We're making it as if we're we're making it uh, so the pay structure. You know, your first franchise is forty nine thousand. Okay. Second franchise is $39,000. If you buy three at the same time or more, the third and more, if they're all bought at once, are $29,000. Awesome. Uh, if you buy one, uh, let's say you miss the three-pack, the, the three pack, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, anything you buy after the first one is 39000 and you can mix those with garage uh, 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 that one painter. It doesn't yeah. matter. We keep the price the same. If you've bought a that one painter, it's, let's say you bought a three-pack all at once. You sure. can mix and match that between the two, and the price stays the same. $39.29. And uh, the plan is, now this this won't affect anybody for probably another 12 months, but we do intend to have more brands. And uh, the goal is to have a total of 10. And uh, we've got a couple are in development, but they're just in development. So I'd say at least 12 months out on following ones. Well, I think that's really exciting. And, you know, that's kind of the wave of the future, right, is to have these umbrella companies. And if you think about it, you know, uh, it, it does serve a great purpose for the franchisee because they can go into a home and sell five or six, ten services to yeah. one homeowner at a time. Right. So I think that's really cool. That's um, true. Let's see. I'm looking to see if we had uh, – we got some comments here. Yeah, they want to make sure about the startup. How? What's the? Here we go. What's the um, requirement? Let's say I bought a three pack. Do I have to start them all at the same time, or can we work on? You know, to some people, three pack at once is pretty overwhelming. But we want yes. cost savings, right? Yes. So yes, the way they work that is, you launch the first one, mm-hmm. you get six months to launch the second one, and then another six months to launch the third one. Okay, great. And by then, do you feel pretty confident that the first one is at a point where it's financially sustaining, so it's not a huge... If they're following the program, it usually is, yes. Okay. Um, uh, Like I was, you know, it's all about, as you know, franchise, it's a business in a box. The systems are proven to work. But if you say, well, I'm going to follow these three and ignore these two, your Mm -hmm. success level is not going to be where it's supposed to be. But yes, if you follow everything, you should be... Typically, in most cases, clicking along real nicely by then. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I am so excited and and so thankful. Ray, do you have any other questions for Tim? Uh, I don't have any questions, but uh, you know, how do how do people get a hold of you? You know. So you can uh, you can call my number, you can email me. You can what you really should do though is go right through the people here on the screen uh, that you're watching. We are partnered with them, and they are going to help screen you and educate you, and they will actually direct you to me. That's actually the best way to to reach out to us. Absolutely, and and you know certainly send us the FDDs, and we've got we'll those to talk with people about as well. And I wish you so much luck. I can't wait to start talking about Garage Off. And um, as soon as you're ready to go on that, let's have you back. Let's talk okay. some more down and dirty on Garage Off. So Sounds we can good. get some folks out there that are interested. Love to. Love to. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Thank Tim. You. It was a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you guys today. Thank you, Tim. You as well. And you know we'll be talking to you again real soon. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, We'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. 
If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. My friend Jerry. Kristen, how are you? I'm great. It's Friday Eve. Your favorite day, isn't it? Well, second favorite day, I guess. Well, you know, the good thing is it's like a little over 60, the sun is shining, and I've got two baseball games to watch right after this. Oh, you are so lucky. I am. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not doing too bad if you look behind me, but no baseball. Clearly, clearly, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, we froze our bus off yesterday, so I'm looking forward to it. Spring baseball in Chicago is absolutely brutal. I get it. I get it. But enough but, about that. I did have it on the mind, though, because I've been talking about all these fitness and sports franchises lately. And that's, that's actually, I mean, think about something like that, kind of twist this all around to make it somewhat related. Some of those are pretty hefty investments. So, Jerry, what do you do when you want a, a model really badly, but you just can't swing it alone? Well, there's a lot of different ways you can go about this, Kristen. And so, and I'll talk about two time frames. Number one, let's talk about when you're first looking at it and you want to get into it, but it's a big bite. You can't take it all at once. Then remind me and I'll come back to talk about once you're up and running, if you want to expand quickly, bringing somebody in, because there's some nuances sure. that we can talk about. You know, when you're first getting started or when you're, when you're considering it, you likely have had conversations with people in your life. They're, whether they're People you, uh, you work with, people uh, that you socialize with, maybe family members, whatever. And many times in those conversations, if you're open with those people, many times you'll have somebody say, you know, that's interesting. Uh, maybe I should do something like that. I'm fed up with my job. I'm not sure I'm qualified, but I got money sitting in an account somewhere. Maybe I could partner with You hear a lot of conversations like that. So what I would suggest to our listeners is, you know, if you find yourself in that situation, really look close by to start with. Look at look at your circle of influence, the people nearby, because um, many times you find somebody that you, you get along really well with. You might um, partner at least socially or, or something like that, do trips together. There's a variety of things. Mm -hmm. But I would look there first because, you know, as I've looked at partnerships in the past, a lot of the ones that were most attractive to me were ones that were right in my backyard. You know, somebody I've known for 20 or 30 years that I just thought was going to continue to do their, their you know, nine to five job forever. Right. And then I start talking about a franchise and they go, you know, I've been thinking about that for a long time. But, and then, you know, you just, one thing leads to another. So yeah. when you're first starting out, I would say that's number one. Number two is word of mouth. So for instance, uh, I, I think about bankers. You know, if you talk to a commercial lender, maybe they can't help you right now, but many times they've had other people they couldn't help. They may have somebody in mind. They can't give you that information right. for privacy laws, but they can reach out to somebody and say, hey, I know you were talking about it. You couldn't. Somebody else is doing it. You know, there's a lot of opportunities close to home that people just kind of look over the top of because, mm -hmm. A, they're looking at financing it entirely themselves, and it's a surprise when they can't. Right. Yep. Uh, or B, you know, they just don't like partnerships, which I understand because partnerships are a, I call it an acquired taste. You have to kind of get used to it. <laughs> but uh, 
but the fact is there are some great, great partnerships out there, uh, great opportunities. So that's what I would do at the beginning if you're trying to get into it and you haven't found somebody yet. Okay. Well, in, I would assume that when you do these, you have to have some pretty clear um, expectations of one another, right? Well, it's almost worse than a marriage because <laughs> there are other things that hold you close to that partnership in a marriage that you don't have in a real business partnership. So, yes, things have got to be very, very clear. In fact, I, when I'm coaching and mentoring people that are looking at those, some things that I tell them about are that you delineate all of the uh, responsibilities in the business up front as yeah. best you can. And you put somebody's initials next to every one of those. And that literally creates a job for that person. Yeah. If you're both going to be involved. Now, you sometimes have a partnership where somebody is just a financial partner. Right. They don't want to have anything to do with the business except send them a paycheck. So... It just depends on how you're going about your partnership, but you have got to have everything spelled out. A personal favorite of mine, Kristen, and I, if, if nobody listens to anything else I have to say today, I would ask that they consider this. Keep 51% of the company, at least. Yes, yeah. Because being a partner in a business is going to lead to some friction from time to time. It's going to lead to some very big decisions. Somebody has got to be the final decision maker. And if you are equal partners, sometimes that literally turns into a messy business divorce because you can't make a decision. I think that's a really good point. Even when you own the business yourself, but you are tied into relationships that flip things 50-50, right? It's still good to have somebody own a little bit more just for clarification. Right. And, you know, you can write that into the um, the operating agreement that you have with a partner and things like that, even if it isn't a, you know, even if it is a 50-50 thing, yeah. into the agreement, you can actually say this partner has priority in decision making or something like that. If you're doing a financial partnership, um, I would suggest the financial partner has virtually no decision making uh, responsibility other than over the financial side of it, you'll have some qualifications there because uh, they've got their money tied up and they want to see a return on investment and so on. But uh, if I were writing, and I have actually, I've had financial partners and in our operating agreement, it was very clear that although in, in both cases, they had more money in it than I did, they had no decision-making other than financial. Sure. And in that the case, operations, just, right? Yeah. Right. Because if you're the operating partner and you're trying to make decisions, uh, it could be if you're in a retail uh, operation, you're trying to find real estate, you do not want to spend a lot of time going back and forth with your partner on a piece of real estate, or you'll lose the piece of real estate, That's which right. might be the only one in that quadrant of town that you want to be in. Yeah. Uh, if you want to add another uh, business, if you want to bolt on another business, like we were talking to Tim about a little bit ago, yeah. um, you want to be able to make that decision uh, because you're the guy going to be operating it. You would still ask advice from your financial partner because Theoretically, they're going to be putting some more money in to make it happen. But at the end of the day, you want to have as much of the decision process as you can possibly keep. Now, let's talk about your other scenario. Your business is open. You're a little shy in cash. You need a little infusion to get you going. How do you handle that? Well, it could be a couple situations. Number one, you could be shy of cash or somebody just came to you with an opportunity to acquire some more units. 
your uh, uh, franchisor came to you and said, listen, we'd really like to sell you more units to build out, or maybe uh, you get you strike gold and your franchisor says, we want to give you a master development agreement for an area and you don't want to lose that opportunity, but yeah. you have got all of your money invested in this first location or two. Uh, you've probably tapped out your borrowing capacity, so you want to bring somebody else in. Uh, a couple big things I have always focused on there is, again, circle of influence, because once you buy into one, your friends and family are going to come out of the work woodwork and they're going to say, oh, I wish, or if okay. only I could have, or something like that. So you need to keep a list, at least a mental list of people that have talked about that, because when those opportunities come up, you do the mental checklist, you say, mm -hmm. well... I don't want crazy Uncle George to be my partner because he's crazy Uncle George. Yeah. But, you know, my cousin, I'd love to do a partnership with him. So you have that built in in case you do have an opportunity. Right. Another option is go back to the franchisor because the franchisor many times has had other interests from that area that they couldn't fulfill for a variety of mm -hmm. reasons on their end. Maybe they've promised those units to you or whatever, but they had good interest. Uh, maybe yeah. somebody came to him and didn't want to operations guy, but wanted to be an absentee owner. Like, again, we talked to Tim about some models yeah. are not great with absentee owners unless you have an operating partner. So right. uh, bet between your circle of influence and your relationships, both with your franchisor and with franchisees that are already in other parts of the country or in your market, maybe yeah. they have an they're looking to grow, but for whatever reason can't, and you might be the opportunity for them to expand. So um, those are the two or three biggest things that I look at once you're in business, because those are kind of almost pre-qualified and you might almost know them already in many cases. So the whole decision-making process about whether you do it or not is much simpler and smoother, yeah. uh, hopefully friendlier in the long run. So <laughs> those are the big things I would look at. That's awesome. And, you know, to put in perspective for those of you who don't know, here's Jerry. How many how many joint, chiropract joint chiropractics and great clips do you have? Well, we've got 34 great clips right now and growing every day. And we've got five joints and I'm looking for real estate for three more right now. Yeah. And we'll, we'll continue to grow. I'm looking at other brands right now. And uh, in those, there may be a partner that comes into, into play because I – I, I don't want to do it all myself anymore. Yeah. I've got a lot on my plate. So yeah. Um, and so my point with everybody is that, you know, even people like Jerry who have all this stuff going on, I mean, there's still times in which you're looking for partners. And so I think it's important that nobody feel like, oh gosh, I gotta look for a partner because I don't have enough to make it work. Listen, there's plenty of people out there who want to get something going. And especially today, if you're not going to make that much, you know, in the market, why not invest in yourself? Well, yeah, and that's a good point, Kristen, because a lot of partners uh, want to keep their day job. They've got a corporate job. They want to stay at it. They, they, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to have any involvement in the business, but they've got a couple hundred thousand dollars in a variety of investments, maybe yeah. some uh, ability to borrow against their home or something like that. And they are looking long term. They're looking at, you know, subsidizing retirement income having a second stream of income so that they can live a different life, something like yep. that. And to your point, you know, most franchise systems, and this is FDD stuff, so I'm not right. an attorney. Uh, nobody don't make any decisions <laughs> based on this. This is just conversation. Right. Uh, but many franchises that you look at will show an ROI after debt of 30 plus percent. 
Yeah. When you compare that to what you can get investing your money in the market or in a bank or something like that, it's many, 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 many times. So if I'm somebody with money sitting in a bank account and I don't want to leave my job, but I'd love to have it working harder, if I could find a good operating partner who's got some experience or at least the wherewithal to take something to another level, franchising, as we all know, is much safer than many other businesses you could get in. So if, if I'm somebody in that position, I would be actively looking for a franchisee who would like to have my money to work with for a while so I can get that big ROI that I want to have for the future. That's right. Jerry, thank you for your wisdom and your thoughts on all of this. And uh, obviously for your time, as we know, you're very, very busy, but we sure love having you as part of the Sellers of Franchising team. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Kristen. Well, and what a show we had today. So I'd like to thank you all for joining us on the show today. And thank you to Tim Montgomery, That One Painter, and Garage Up, soon to be announced officially. I think it is official, right? And we appreciate our Million Dollar Mentors, Jerry Akers, Ray Tiller, Karen Kinsey Sward, and our legal sleuth, Laura List. Boy, I couldn't have put another L in there, could I? Uh, and last but not least, a big thanks to our, as he calls himself, the Chief PETA and producer, Fred McMurray. I am Kristen Shelmessie, your fourth, I'm sorry, your fourth franchising mentor. I have Fred cheering in the background. We are your resource for franchising success. And remember, the dream starts here. We'll see you next week on another episode of Pillars of Franchising, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, anywhere you get your podcast. Have a great day.